Hey everyone, I'm Mikkel Plain, and you are listening to The Revenue Formula. In today's episode, Olafur and I discuss the Agile go-to-market framework, what it is, and how you can use it for your business. Enjoy! I gotta say, it's a bit more calm in the office at the moment. Yeah, people are traveling and working from home, so you can actually come into the office and do focus work. Yeah. I guess not for you, you were kind of complaining a bit, well, complaining, you were talking a bit the other day about drowning in sales meetings. That's what we used to call uh, champagne problems in yeah. previous businesses. <laughs> Those you definitely want to have. Yeah. But anyway, today we're going to talk about Agile go-to-market. We've talked a bit in the past, Tony and me, about how some of the top, top, top businesses, they basically run and operate their business. And what was pretty cool is they have this uh, weekly meeting, they sit down, uh, you know, so imagine Salesforce, all the C-level, there's a weekly report, how we're tracking on performance, what are all the the core metrics telling us, how we're tracking on initiatives, and then you have status signals on all of them. And if something is off, there's already a, hey, here's what we're gonna go and do about it behind it. So they're really fast in adapting to change as the plan unfolds. It's something you also learn as a parent, (laughs) adapting to change all the time. And it's just part of reality. And I thought this would be a really cool subject for you and I to talk about, considering that you and I have both run agile teams. You've run revenue operations for, I don't know, how many years? 10 years at this point. (laughs) Wow. So makes me feel old. So I thought this would be a really good good thing to come into and uh, and basically talk about, you know, the intersection of revenue operations, agile and the go-to market. Yeah. No, I think uh, the whole concept of Agile is something that I've been interested in for a very long time. Uh, when I was in business school even, I wrote my bachelor thesis on how to incorporate uh, Agile and Scrum principles in a business environment. Uh, and this is way before I knew I was going to go into tech or anything of the sort. So I was trying to figure out sort of how you could think about the world in the same through the same lens as developers do, which is yeah. that you have, you know, waterfall, which is, you know, very fixed planning and it's very fixed milestones and it's very fixed outputs yeah. that are hard to change, they're not dynamic. And how can you potentially apply those same principles to running a business or ultimately running as, you know, what happened to me was that I started to actually run my revenue operations teams and working with revenue leaders and with finance, basically through an agile approach, mm. we might not have used that word, but that's basically the core principles behind how we structured both the teams, our approach to solving problems, uh, creating actionability, and try to make it as uh, sort of reactive and instantaneous uh, as you can in that sense, yeah. and being able to course correct and make changes on the fly for the better of the eventual output, which you know, for SaaS companies happens to be revenue, but basically those principles can be very easily applied to running a SaaS company. And, uh, and this is what I've seen being extremely successful for myself, uh, obviously having run you know, three successful uh, scale-ups before. And then you know, this is some of the principles that we're also applying to our product today. But, uh, but yeah, thrilled to share so my experience with it, whatever, whatever you're interested to know more about. So it's not going to be a project management episode. No, We're not no, going to no. sit and talk about scoring tasks and all that. All Ideally that not. I don't care about <laughs> that can, any of we that. Can, we can do that outside of the podcast. Yeah, there's no burn down points or whatever no. that calls. <laughs> but so let's maybe just frame it a bit. There's kind of two keywords in here. There's agile and go to market. 
yeah. and they can mean a lot of things depending on who you are, what you're working with. And I think let's just set the stage a little bit. What do we mean when we say agile and what do we mean when we say go to market? Well, agile basically meaning that you're optimizing for a end result. Mm. You are very willing to change the way that you get to that end result. And the way you make changes is by learning as you move through the process of developing it, basically the revenue process. And that agility comes with a lot of benefits that I can get into. And on the go-to-market, uh, I see that as the whole orchestration of how do you actually manage to plan and execute across you know, three or four different departments yeah. that all have one shared goal. And that orchestration, I would put under the head of go-to-market. You can also talk about some of the strategic aspects of it as you know, you will define your TAM and your ICP and some of that stuff and the pricing and packaging. But ultimately for me, go-to-market is how do you orchestrate the actual process of generating the eventual output for a SaaS company, which happens to be you know, revenue, yeah. at least for me. Being revenue operations, that's kind of the, the thing that I care about. Yeah, so I'm maybe not going to talk about the whole messaging and positioning. Let's let's not go that, that round. But I think yeah. it's super interesting because you do, I, I think we've talked about it in the past, you create a plan with all the best intentions. Yeah. And then, you know, change happens. It's it's happening right now externally and you don't have control over it. That's, that's fine. But there can also be things internally. And, yeah. um, and so I think maybe the starting point is how do you go and create a plan because that's really if you if you want to go and execute yeah there, there is a plan that kind of directs you to some degree yeah no but i think that word is also sometimes fraught with ownership and who is responsible and you know who is the one building it yeah. revenue plans are honestly built on different levels and this is where i feel like what finance and the board and the leadership team is usually doing is that they're creating the ultimate revenue plan which mm. is you know how much revenue do we need to generate by when? And ideally distributing that across the different departments that need to kind of execute on it. And then allocating the budget or the cost that is meant to basically facilitate that that can be achieved. And that obviously includes then the hiring, the ad spend, and all of the rest of it. But what I feel very passionate about is that the RevOps team should be responsible for creating the go-to-market roadmap, if you will. Mm -hmm. So not the revenue plan. The revenue plan is basically what are the milestones we need to achieve and this is kind of liking it back to product development. This is sort of where people do t-shirt sizing. It's a rough estimate of what you can achieve by a certain point in time with a certain amount of resources. Yeah. And um, and this is where I've very often been involved with the finance leader to create a rough, rough idea about the milestones that we can achieve with the resources yeah. that we have. And those will then often be done by shorthand. You'll be looking at, well, how much quote on the street do I have? So what is my quota coverage? then you will have an assumed uh, efficiency or quota completion of the overall AE team, for example. And then you'll say, well, okay, it looks like we have sort of roughly the things that we need so that, you know, that can be closed. But what that disregards a lot is that, you know, if you shut down marketing and outbound and partnerships tomorrow, those AEs are not going to complete anything. No. They are not themselves a source of revenue. So what you now need to do is to create the orchestration behind how are you actually going to go about creating the ro the roadmap. And as in you know anything, roadmaps are there for a guiding light. They're there to show you what you're going to be doing by when mm. on a timeline. And that's basically where you will need to figure out who are you going to be hiring, when, what are the different channels you're going to be spending you know money on, 
how many leads or how many website visitors or how many MQLs are you projecting over time to get from those sources. And everything that has an input to the funnel basically needs to be completely ironed out in detail. When, how much, and who's responsible. And that's usually where that deviates from what the revenue plan is, from what is presented to the board. This is basically how you can build out what are the different initiatives and plans and you know hiring that needs to happen in the business over the year that can be given to all the different commercial leaders so that they have a very clear path of execution. Mm. Uh, so when I think about Agile, that's kind of where you create sort of the revenue roadmap and then obviously that roadmap as you are working with the Agile principles is very much subject to change. Yeah, And that's sort of where, you know, once it's been locked in, you've found that you can actually get to a path where you can hit the milestones that have been set out in the revenue plan. Now you can actually start executing against that and then be much more agile in your approach to how you actually uh, get there mm. at the end of the day. So it's not a, it's not a fully project plan. But it is kind of a plan in terms of what money you so you said what money are we going to spend where and who is responsible for it. So say you allocate budget to whatever to sales to run sales enablement in this period and we expect this outcome. Then I guess there's full flexibility for the team to go and define execute whatever needs to be right. Yeah. Because the other thing of I've seen at least with Agile is you have that idea of long-term projects. It's not like you have a waterfall that, you know, runs 12 months. There is optionality to kind of delay certain things and reprioritize, okay, we're going to pull this one forward because we learned something, right? So so you have way more flexibility on that level. Yeah, and this is sort of where you get into the execution. What it really then starts to boil around is that you have the ultimate productions that you need to have happen. How many leads do you need from which channels? Mm. How many you know SQLs do you need? How many MQLs do you need? How many opportunities do you need from the various different sources that you are, you know, where are you creating that buyer interest? And how many of those do you need to create? And then factoring in the funnel metrics to understand, well, how many of the leads coming from a certain source will eventually close? So you basically are always looking for what are the, every incremental input to the engine that I need to control and understand. Yeah. Um, and that's basically where you then move into kind of how do you execute against that? And this is where you, I will typically try to create a reporting framework. Yeah. Um, and the reason for that, it's not to say that reporting framework sounds very big and it <laughs> almost sounds like it's a complicated thing, yeah. but you basically want to decide on what are you monitoring for? Yeah. What is the cadence of monitoring for it? And who is the one looking at the report or the data so that they can take action? Because the whole point about being agile is that you are trying to put data at the point closest point of where a decision can be made. Mm. And that means that you need to create something that is very operational. So operational metrics, as I like to kind of refer to them. And that is where you will be monitoring for everything <clears throat> that changes really fast. Yeah. And such as that would be, for example, performance management. Uh, are we producing enough opportunities per SDR across all the different regions we're monitoring for the SDRs? Mm. If it's not, what do we do about it? Yeah. Do we need to put an incentive in place? Is there a lack of ICP companies that are targeting? How can we now quickly course correct and get that back on track? Mm. It could be inputs to the engine itself. So hiring. Are we monitoring for the hiring plan every single week, making sure that we are actually managing to get the people on board and onboarded as we expected? Because this is 
very much the core reason why companies fail on revenue targets is that they had all the right assumptions, they had all the right KPIs, but they just didn't hire enough. It's yeah. basically just a lack of hiring. And in the budget, it says, you know, hey, here's how many you can hire, but it then doesn't help you if you then hire them late. You still have the allocation, but there's a gap that's been formed there by the production of those individuals that has been lost, right? Yeah. And that's where basically these operational metrics, and this is where you'll basically be looking at pipeline builds. You'll be looking at performance metrics such as opportunity production for AES. You'll be pipeline build. And, you know, you'll be looking at the different ad spends and what they're actually delivering and what this return on ad spend and, and the very, very things that you can influence in the very short term if they deviate at all from what you were expecting. So the operational metrics is really where you want to put the decision making off. What can we change? How can we course correct really fast? And this is stuff you'll be looking at on a daily basis, on a yeah. weekly basis. And those metrics can be even down to like phone calls or how many, you know, companies are we touching within a certain period of time. So we can understand if we're not producing enough materials for some reason that we can actually course correct for that really fast. And within then the reporting framework then, you know, and this is where, you know, that's really great for dashboards because that's where you want to have the data be instantaneous to be live updated like every single, you know, second, if you will. But then you have other report types which are delivered formats or kind of different. And that's where you kind of move out of that. And, and that's where you want to package potentially reports into a different format. And those would often then be, for example, the funnel metrics. So yeah. those are the processing in your go-to-market. So how is the orchestration happening on the input level? That's deciding on the volume, and that's very operational. And then once that volume, now it becomes a battle of quality versus quantity. And that's where you're then processing things through your whole go-to-market engine. Stuff is coming from marketing, going into sales, traveling through the sales funnel. It will have a velocity, an ACV, and a conversion rate. And that will differ between the different sources of where those opportunities originated from. But now you want to basically monitor for the funnel metrics on a quarterly or a monthly even cadence. So mm. this is where you can understand if things in your engine are basically either degrading or improving as you're scaling up the volume. Because you're basically through the operational metrics going to be monitoring for everything that is scaling inputs. And then as you're moving through the, those inputs through the funnel, that's what you'll be monitoring for because that's where it moves more to becoming tactical decision making. And you might ask me, well, why don't you monitor for that on a weekly basis? But that's basically where you want to put the decision making at the most you know, the quickest point in which you can make a decision. And monitoring funnel metrics on a daily or weekly basis actually doesn't make any sense because mm -hmm. that period of time will not represent the data sample that's big enough, no. nor will a conversion rate change week over week. So there's no reason to actually watch that on a, on a weekly basis or a daily basis. So that's where you actually want to make sure that it is only rational to start looking at that and then tactically course correct for things that are not happening on the processing side and this could be MQL conversion yeah. to opportunities or whatever it might be. And there you want to figure out if it's degrading or going down, what is the source of that? Is that because we have you know worse quality coming in, so we're mm. basically getting in worse quality MQLs, or is it because we have a processing problem, we have something in the funnel that's now become a blocker or, or it's basically tapped out on a certain level, and that's where you want to really quickly, as fast as you can, on a monthly basis, identify that so you can kind of take a tactical approach to fixing that. And then, you know, in the reporting framework, then the last one that I always, you know, also encourage RevOps to get involved with, which are the unit economics or the efficiency metrics. And this is what I really think you should be looking at on a quarterly basis, because that is going to give you the, you know, understanding of how 
well is the revenue that you're creating or the opportunity you're creating doing in terms of the amount of resources that you allocated to it. Mm. What is the what is the relationship between how much you're spending on you know creating revenue versus how much it's costing you at the end of the day? That's going to give you an efficiency score. And this is where you will have CAC payback, you will have uh, CLTV, you will have yeah. all sorts of calculations that are measuring sort of the overall performance of your business. And the reason to look at that on a quarterly basis is because that's something that you know you typically will have two rather low you know, first month of a quarter and then a big end of the quarter. So looking yeah. at an efficiency of a sales engine across any other period of time is actually fairly useless as yeah. I see it. Because your you know, efficiency levels will basically be super bad in the <laughs> yeah, two yeah, months yeah. and then super good in the last month. No, so it's it the actually, same, uh, you know, if you're uh, in marketing, you've already paid the bills for all the trade shows that's going to happen next quarter, mm -hmm. you know, or the next month. So yeah. No, but again, it's basically taking... That the earliest point of you influencing that is actually on a quarterly basis. And that's yeah. why you then package that into a quarterly report. You add analysis so you can also depend the, you know, the level of insight that you can give. But basically through this, this is where you kind of get to the different levels. That, and you need to manage all three different levels yeah. uh, very carefully. And then sort of tying it back to the agile go-to market. And this is really where you take the insights that you're gleaning from those three different you know, report types, if you will. And you need to have a very solid relationship with a CFO, but also with a CRO as you're running this mm. uh, as a RevOps leader. Because at the end of the day, everyone is super flexible to actually move stuff around or yeah. change tactics along the way. If you hire an SDR, let's just say three months too late, the CFO might, if you come to him with a reasonable argument that you've actually lost uh, 42 opportunities in that period of time, and that is actually causing four deals to be lacking in Q4 because you know you have a 10% conversion rate, he might be willing to actually add another SDR to compensate for the losses that have occurred. Yeah, And this is usually where I will have a very strong bond with the CFO because being this agile, it means that the milestones are typically hard-coded. Yeah. And the milestones here for us is simply, we need to achieve certain revenues in Q1, we need to achieve certain revenues in Q2 and Q3 and Q4. But that also means that the way we get there, is it adding another headcount in sales? Or maybe the production per SDRs in Germany has actually drastically dropped from the average yeah. of 14 down to nine. Would we actually get a better yield and a quicker result because we need to fill up that gap for next quarter by deploying resources now in marketing yeah. where you have a shorter sales cycle but lower ACVs? Yeah. And in this way, the agile principle here can actually be that now let's change the roadmap. Let's move resources between departments. Let's change tactics along the way. And through doing that, you actually end up with what everyone wants, which is that you're hitting target. Mm. Because the... Yeah, the ultimate point here is that that is the only thing anyone ever cares about anyway. Yeah. And if you overspend a little bit in the budget, but you hit the target, nobody will care because yeah. you achieved what you were set out to do, right? It's worse if you underspend and don't hit target. Then like, why yeah. not use the money? That's unused potential. But right? it's funny because if you've run if you run Scrum or know a bit about the framework, you know there's all these meeting stand-ups and you know all, all, all these rituals as part of Scrum, which is where you know the exact status of a project. Yeah. And what you're kind of saying is when you run an agile go-to-market, then what is essential is having the data to kind of notify you of, hey, here things are going wrong, and then also having the process to use that data. So you mentioned yeah. QBRs, uh, monthlies, yeah. And a few others, right? Yeah, and those are also, in, I mean, in the operation, it's also the forecasting meeting. So yeah. 
all the science where you can make meaningful change is basically being packaged into different formats. Um, but yeah, to your point, I mean, this is also where, you know, people, you know, have often asked me why I was able to generate the amount of growth that I've done in the companies that I've been in. And specifically in, in the Falcon case where we, you know, what we did there was that we ran basically you know, more or less the company through this manner. So yeah. the revenue operations team was basically orchestrating across the different commercial departments. There was a huge buy-in from every level of the company that this is how we're going to approach this. Mm. That included the CFO and the CEO and all the different commercial leaders. And <clears throat> what that meant was that, you know, the company itself was so flexible in terms of what it could change during the process yeah. that they were actually consistently hitting revenue targets. Mm. And it actually got to a and point- exceeding. And exceeding, but actually it was hitting revenue targets to a point where we hit you know twelve quarters in a row, and you know you've been in SaaS for a long time. That doesn't happen, right? <laughs> no, no. And and the reason for that, and people have often asked me. So you know, Oliver, you seem to have a very good grasp of guessing how much revenue is going to come in at the end of the year and at the end of the quarter. And my answer is always the same. It's that no, I'm not the best guessing engine in the in the business. <laughs> I simply create a roadmap that is reasonable to get me there. Yeah. Then a thousand things will change and deviate from that plan. Yeah. And for every single step of the way, I will simply create a backstop or a course correction yeah. to make sure that that thing that is going off the rails will not impact my or our ability to create and generate revenue that will hit the revenue goal. Yeah. So you're basically reverse engineering all the time the way you're going to get to that target and at the end of the day, it might make you look like you're awesome at guessing that you will always know what it will hit, but it's actually the other way around. Yeah. You were told what you needed to hit and you changed your way of getting there yeah, yeah. hundreds of times throughout the year. And I think it's also way more productive. And, and maybe to put it into perspective, one of the things I experienced while we were at Falcon was you and Tony coming to me, I think, mid-quarter saying, hey, we have 50K that we want you to spend because you have a better CAC payback than what we can yield right now elsewhere with that money. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I can take 35 or something and then, yeah. then I can maintain what we need to. And yeah. we did that. And I think that's just in practice what the agile go-to-market really means that you have the flexibility to say, hey, you know what, we're behind on hiring and we can't double up on hiring, but what we can do is then shift the budget into another initiative. Yeah, and this is how I believe all modern you know, SaaS companies should be run because I still very often see this old approach to doing it, which is, and I've been part of it, it's it's something that often happens as I join new companies, is that the leadership team, myself included, will sit down and say, well, what, what do we need to achieve? Yeah. What what eventual growth rate do we as a business need to achieve so that we become a good invest case for the next round and so on and so forth? And then, you know, everybody will sit down and say, well, we need to do 10 million or 20 million to get to the next milestone. Mm. And then people start saying, okay, that sounds, you know, reasonable, but okay, so who's going to take what? Sales, how much do you think you can do? Yeah. And sales will say, I can take, you know, I can take six out of the 10. And then it's, well, marketing, can you take three and we'll put one to upsell? And then marketing might acknowledge or not acknowledge that. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. that is basically the rough distribution. And then they say, well, everybody now go out and, and figure out a way to get there. Yeah. And then you start talking about resource allocation. Mm. Well, how many people do you need to hire in sales to achieve those six million you think you, think you yeah, can get, yeah. you know? What is that based on? So basically, the allocation of who's going to achieve what by when mm. is decided before you've allocated the resources, which, to my mind, is completely ridiculous because 
you can only do the six if you get X amount of resources. Yeah. So that's where basically this is still a very rudimentary practice in many, many companies. And you need to create that go-to-market roadmap because that's where you connect the outcome yeah. to the resources that will go into it, which is obviously the people you have already on board, mm. the budgets you already have in marketing, the organic traffic <laughs> that you are getting today. Yeah, yeah. And then how do you marry that with the new initiatives and the things? And if they are then not performing, yeah. you're hiring for a new team that was meant to target a new market. It just isn't working out. But actually this marketing campaign for you know direct search or for paid search is actually going amazingly well and performing mm -hmm. above. Why don't we move some of those hiring dollars out of sales and into that marketing campaign? Yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. And that's basically where I think companies should be way more flexible on how they think about departmental allocation because it's not fighting for budget. I don't believe in this whole like, no. you know, fighting for budget between departments. There is simply an allocation of resources that needs to happen so you can generate X amount of revenue and you want to do that as optimal as you want. And in the case you mentioned before, I probably came to you mid-quarter not because I, you know, I saw you had an amazing, amazing CAC payback <laughs> because I would only do that calculation on a quarterly basis. Yeah. The reason why I probably came to you was that I saw that something was happening on the outbound side that was yeah. causing me to believe that next quarter we were going to have a deficiency yeah. in terms of what opportunities we could close. Yeah. And I would have known that you actually had channels that had a, you know, once we acquired a lead through that channel, they moved through the funnel in 24 days instead of 37 days. Mm. And I needed that revenue to land next quarter, hence where we would come to you and ask you to generate that customer as opposed to doing it with outbound, where the sales process might be 45 days or yeah. 60 days. And I think that's where if you can actually assemble a team, so basically the revenue-facing teams, a strong go-to-market team that gets that understanding of flexibility and in budget and resources and prioritization for that matter, it's yeah. way easier also for them to proactively come with recommendations. Yeah, and I think this is also what is sort of the change that has happened in the last few years yeah. with regards to SaaS companies specifically is that you now have these agnostic, uh, you know, people who are actually not departmental specific. Mm. That will be revenue operations. Yeah, They don't care where the dollar comes from. <laughs> they, don't, they simply don't care. They just need it to come. Yeah, And you have the CRO. He doesn't care. No, he or she has no responsi responsibility beyond delivering the amount of dollars that he's promised to the board, mm. and that is then subsequently something you can orchestrate and build into your go-to-market approach. Where before it was way more different departments fighting for budget and resources, trying to become the biggest one, and you know some stuff that simply has nothing to do with running a, or operating an efficient go-to-market and a high-scale company. Mm. You, you need to move to this worldview where you really don't have a preference of how you generate the revenue. You just want to do it as cheaply and as fast as you can. Mm. That's really the only two things that you ultimately care about as a RevOps and as a CRO. Yeah. That's kind of been my experience at least. And and that has been very successful, uh, at least for my career. And, uh, and yeah, I highly recommend everyone do it. <laughs> well, it's almost kind of how I feel about cooking sometimes, as cheaply as possible. <laughs> and as fast and as fast as I can before the kids go crazy, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I hope this was interesting, uh, just as a conceptual framework to yeah. think about how to build your roadmap, how to execute it and monitor it. Some of these elements we've touched upon a bit in other episodes around how to run a QBR and elements. I'm I'm sure that at some point I'm gonna invite you back. And we've had a few, I'm not gonna say beers, but we had a few sessions where we've probably hashed out even more detail and learned way more about 
in practice exactly what can you do, what are the exact steps. For now, it is a bunch of data frameworks that needs to be implemented. Yeah, and uh, how to build a reporting framework that in and of itself is probably a whole episode, which, yeah. you know, we don't have time to get into. Just there. send a LinkedIn message to all of them. All right. I'm sure he will oblige and help out. 100%. Thanks so much, all of you, for joining. Thank you, man. Tony is going to be back next week. Thank God. <laughs> and that's gonna be good so let's hopefully he's well rested I, I mean he's been on Slack like crazy but uh, thanks so much for listening if you've enjoyed uh, the episode of the World of War why not drop a review yeah love it yeah please do <laughs> bye bye